Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Gospel according to Matthew. Gospel according to Matthew and chapter 12. Just going to let some time pass while the crowd uh, comes in. Wonderful morning this morning and uh, powerful challenge. Probably should just pull an altar call and and uh, just let what those men ministered uh, be the thing that we take away from this time. But we'll remember, hold what they said in your mind. There's still time to repent at the end of uh, this uh, service, and so uh, take note of that. There's a uh, story that comes out of uh, Great Falls, Montana. It's a 1,200-pound uh, heifer that had an appointment with destiny. Uh, it was, was born to be uh, dinner on our tables, uh, but uh, this uh, creature is not going to uh, settle for that. And so uh, the heifer jumped a gate at the packing plant about 5 a.m. and apparently wandered through residential areas. Police received reports about 9.30 a.m. that was in the middle of a busy intersection. Police tried to catch the cow and had her wedged between a stock trailer and a fence, but the heifer barreled through the fence toward the river nearly being hit by a Chevy Suburban. It was the first of many near-death experiences. With the police in pursuit, the cow ran toward the railroad tracks and darted in front of an oncoming train. Crossing another road, the car was nearly struck by a semi-tractor trailer. Then it was a madhouse. When police, animal control officers, and slaughterhouse workers surrounded the cow in a park near the Missouri River, The cow jumped into the river. As she swam to the west bank of the river, she sank lower and lower and was being swept downstream, but the cow found a sandbar near the river's west bank and walked ashore. I was totally amazed. She was able to swim. The police scrambled and began to fire tranquilizer darts, hit her with three, and she was still going. You know, at the conclusion of this, somebody offered to buy this heifer for more than she was worth the meat on the hoof. Because, uh, you know, folks that survive that kind of thing are worth something. <laughs> this, is not an, this is not an ordinary cow. This is a survivor. <laughs> and survivors are worth more than the meat on their bones. And uh, we want to 
help some survivors uh, tonight, today, from this passage of Scripture. I know, and I this is kind of my caveat for the sir. most of us, we came here, let's face it, we just need our tails kicked, right? We just, uh, that's why we came, and we need more of it. To, uh, but there are some folks that uh, uh, you're, you need something a little different. And uh, and we're going to get back to the tail kicking when it's all said and done. But uh, let's, uh, there's just a handful of us here that uh, perhaps need uh, something of a different uh, slant just to be able to get us through and be able to let God challenge us all the rest of the way for this week. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Beginning at verse 14, then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, that's against Jesus, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. And he charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victories, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. I want to consider, first of all, for a moment, the issue of human frailty. Uh, we, this may not be the most obvious ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we just read about. Uh, even in this text, it talks about uh, that he's not going to lift up his voice in the streets concerning this particular aspect of his ministry. And yet, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah the prophet, looking 600 years down into the history of the, the, the ministry of the Messiah, describes what this ministry is going to be all about. And it's very, it's fascinating because there are a lot of prophecies about Jesus' ministry in the Old Testament, you know, and, uh, or uh, his life, what he's going to do, where he's going to be born, uh, you know, the death on the cross, his resurrection. A lot of this is prophesied, but in terms of describing what his day-to-day -day ministry is going to be about, how he's going to interact with people, those are not quite as plentiful. One of them, perhaps most familiar to us, is in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 
There is some language that is in that prophecy. You remember Jesus said at that time, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And this has similar language to our uh, text today. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment into victory. We're talking about human, frail human beings. People that have been bruised and battered and broken by life. We're talking about folks whose, uh, you know, both the reed that is bruised and the wick that is uh, smoldering. Neither of these in and of itself is a strong thing. A reed is not a cedar of Lebanon, right? A wick is not a chain of gold. But these are more than just frail things to begin with. They are frail things that have had some bad things take place, that have left the reed bruised and have left the wick uh, just smoldering. You know, I, uh, my wife has, gives me from time to time some candles to burn in my office. This is not for prayer. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is for odor. Uh, yeah, and anyway, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you burn these candles and, uh, and it gives off this, uh, uh, you know, makes the place smell better than it would just with me as the potpourri. And, uh, uh, but you know, it's, I, I, I always wonder at the whole idea because whenever I blow the thing out, as soon as I blow the thing out, this smoke begins to swirl up and makes the whole place smell like Sooty smoke, right? What's the point? I burnt the thing to make it smell good, and then I blow it out, and as it's smoldering, it stinks up the place. See, Jesus' ministry is prophesying that he is not going to break off a bruised reed, and he's not going to quench a smoldering wick like of a lamp or a candle. These are, this is talking about human beings. Human beings that have experienced the bruisings of life. Human beings that, because of the experiences in their lives, there's just a little bit of light left. There's a whole lot more smoke than light. They don't smell that great. They're giving off something that is not particularly pleasant, where at one time, maybe they actually gave off light. The bruised reed, it's not dead, but it's, it's bruised, it's broken. Uh, one translation says it's battered. And it's not going to 
live unless there's some help that's there. These are folks if, with a little bit of life and a little bit of light that maybe the average person and maybe the average pastor is not able to recognize the life that's still there or the light that's still there. All they can see is the broken Read, all they can smell is the smoke. But these are folks, and there may be some here tonight, today, and some of you are pastors, and some of you could even be leaders. But life over the past numbers of months, or even the past numbers of years, has left you in a place where you could be described as a broken, re, a bruised reed, or smoking flats. You know, sometimes the betrayals of people can do this to us. You know, folks that we have invested significant time and emotion and, and, uh, and commitment to. You know, and we've even like laid our hearts out to people, telling them some of the things we have pass through in life, you know, just to try and lift and curse, and then they turn that, take that and use it against you and talk about you. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's a terrible thing about slander. Folks believe it. <laughs> if slander wasn't believable, it wouldn't be harmful. You know, sometimes this is because of some of the heartbreaks among your own family. As Pastor Warder mentioned today, as you grow older and the choices that your teenage and adult children begin to make, you know, when they're kids, they're just playing with little toys. And if they break, you can go to Walmart and get them another one. But when they're older, they start playing with the big toys. Like the marriage toys, <laughs> like ministry, like some other thing. And when those break, you know what? Those don't, you just can't go and get another one and fix it. And the heartbreak that can come as a result, there's people here that you have experienced a failure in your ministry that either because of the fact that that did not fly as you had hoped it would. You are now in a time of redirection and reorienting yourself to, to uh, hit it again. It could be that right now, just the fact that you, you, you're refusing to look at the reality, that there really is, it, it's time for you not to quit and say, I'm never going to preach the gospel again, but to say, you know what, this one, it's not happening. I've, I've given it my best shot, and the best counsel of my pastor is that it's time for me to come back, and I'm, and, cause you're a bruised reed. You're, you're, you're not gonna just get back up and be fruitful again without some help. You're smoking flax. And the one hand, that means there's hope there, but the other hand, it means that it, you're also not very far from being extinguished. 
It's an agonizing thing to watch workers on the field or watch people in your church that because they're good people, they're faithful people, they've labored for it. But you know what? Life's life. And, and life can be so brutal sometimes. And I'm not talking about being self-pitying and, you know, pointing out our wounds to each other all the time. We, that was a masterful sermon by Pastor Campbell last night. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the reality that sometimes the circumstances of life can be very cruel and very, uh, very heartbreaking and that folks have a very difficult time processing that. How do I, where do I find my footing? Why did this happen? What did I do wrong? What does this say about me as a Christian or as a pastor or as a person? And, and you're trying to process the circumstances of life, trying to process some of the things that have happened to you. And you're not coming up with some answers that are helping that bruised reed or that are bringing any added light to that smoking flax. You're having a tough time. And I think that we need to add to that some of these things aren't just about what other people have done to you. Some of your, your greatest agony about some of the things you've done to yourself. Right? Some of your character failings. Right? Some of your personal failures. Could we, can we talk? Your sins? Does anybody manage to stay sinless since the moment that you pray the sinner's prayer? You want to come up here and take this pulpit and tell us how it's done? I'm not trying to preach accommodation. I'm just, I just, I've been pastoring for a while. And I've been having to look at this guy for quite a while. And I'm, I know that sometimes there are failures you can't, there's nobody to blame, right? There's nobody to blame. That was a horrible judgment call I made. I made that judgment call, like Pastor Gooding said, because of my pride, right? I responded to that individual because of my arrogance, and I perhaps destroyed that life, and I, maybe I lost people and lost an, a, 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 a momentum in my ministry. And you know what? I have nobody to blame. It's, it's me, my character. And you know what the thing that stinks about this is? It's not the first time. It's not the first time I have said something, done something wicked that has hurt precious people. And am I ever going to be different? See, there's folks, you're here, and you're putting on a heroic front. How are you doing? Great. Praise God, bro. Bro, man. It's going good. Or maybe you've just moved into the cynical realm. How's it going? Ah, yeah, great, yeah. 
Anybody that tells you it's doing good's lying. Every one of those testimonies is a lie. <laughs> You're either lying or hypocritin'. But some of you, you're here, and if God doesn't help you, you're gonna you're gonna quit. And I don't mean redirect you. I'm talking about quit. Are you gonna run? Are you even thinking that you want to die? See, this passage prophesies that part of what Jesus is gonna do when he comes, when the Son of God becomes a man in the person of Jesus Christ, is he's going to help people that are in that condition. He is not going to break them off and quench them. His desire is to help them. See, God doesn't break covenant with you because you have weaknesses. You know, the Bible says to husbands, husbands, you are to uh, treat your wife with honor, right? As under the weaker vessel. The Bible doesn't say if your wife's weak, divorce her. It says if she's, she's weaker than you. And so you need to treat her with a special honor, with a special kindness, and bring to that a particular strength. You know, if God, if, if God is telling us to keep our covenant with one another despite our personal weaknesses, He's going to keep His covenant with us despite our personal weaknesses. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one was tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we might find, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God knows what we're made of. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know, sometimes, most of the time, what we do, when we come to conference, we just need to get our butts kicked. We need to do a lot of repenting. We just need to get a lot of things right. Sometimes, sometimes we need a word of encouragement to give us hope to even try to repent. The problem is, is that some folks that need to repent are just looking for encouragement. <laughs> the sad thing is that some folks who need the encouragement are taking so to heart our challenges that they're becoming overwhelmed. And we pastors see this all the time. You know, you preach this sermon on some issue like evangelism and all the people that actually witness are down there weeping and, and all the people who haven't witnessed to somebody since uh, uh, the Ice Age or so, they, you know, they're... Okay, so, so that's who we are. But the idea that, well, don't uh, encourage folks because somebody might take it wrong. Well, there's some folks that, that just need it. I want to look secondly at the ministry of Jesus here. See, it's how we process life. 
you know, we didn't think we were going to live this long. Some of us, as Pastor Warner said, and you know what? We didn't think some of the stuff was going to happen to us that happened to us. Like when we get saved and we begin to look at what the future looks like, you know, some of the things that have happened, we didn't have a clue. And that's the thing, when they happen to us, and they're like, whoa, where did that come from? Who, who let that in? God, this is not how I anticipated living my life. You have to process that. It's one thing that will help you is to read your Bible. Pastor Bamman so ably instructed us. Because if you'll read your Bible, chances are that the thing that has happened to you, something just like that happened to somebody else in the Bible. And probably worse. So what made you think you'd get away without stuff happening to you? Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. You know, I was thinking of, uh, and I use this in another setting, there's a quarterback in the NFL called Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the quarterback for the New England Patriots. I, I don't want to get... Don't want to get vibey here. I know you get... Okay. Back up now. Back up. <laughs> Folks, what I see with their jerseys on, their jackets on, it's just, 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 it's just an illustration. But here's a guy that, when he was a high school football player, couldn't get people to pay attention to him. Some of the places he should have been uh, brought into, some of the colleges. He ended up uh, going to Michigan, and he was a, a quarterback there at Michigan, and he had been there for five seasons. The last season, like it's his job to be the starting quarterback, but they don't give it to him. 
They give him half the games and give this other guy half the games who has not even done anything like what he's done to earn that chance. And the article that I read said he could have blown up the entire team because he was treated in that way. But he just kept his mouth shut and paid attention and took care of business. And before the end of the season, guess what? He had the full-time starting job. But then it comes to the NFL draft, and he's taken not first, not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth, sixth round of the draft. That means like NFL teams looked at 200 other men and said, they're better than you. When he finally did get uh, a contract, it was to be behind a very successful quarterback who looked like he'd be around for a long time. But it says that he was able to process all of those injustices, all of those reversals. And the article I read said, and it gave him a generosity of spirit. You know, that quarterback that he was behind got injured. And he had to step in and take over for the rest of the season and led the New England Patriots to the Super Bowl. He's won three Super Bowls in the last four years. They're talking about him like maybe he's the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. But we're a long, long way from determining that. The point is, is that here is a man who, uh, who processed life in a way that didn't destroy him. You know, they made a contract with him, you know, and his competitor is making $98 million contract. He could have easily gotten that amount of money. He took $60 million which is still a fair bit of change. <laughs> but he said, I, I don't want to take all the money. I want you to use the rest of that money to pay the rest of the players. Now tell me, who talks like that? Who does that? Especially somebody who has, was so under-recognized and under-appreciated and misused in his past. See, it matters how you process life. And one of the things that has to happen is in this text, the prophet said, behold my servant. This is God talking. This is where you need to focus your attention. If you just focus on the injustices of life, and why did this happen, and you can't process life, then you're going to break down. And the reed is never going to rise and the wick is ultimately going to be extinguished. You have to learn how to process life. And you do that first by beholding my servant, looking at Jesus. Now, I, I know that sounds real spiritual and real mystical and ethereal. I'm just talking about don't be so consumed with you. Okay, if we become consumed with my life, 
and my rewards and my recognition and, and, uh, and the treatment that I receive, we are not going to make it. This says, behold my servant. Look at Jesus. He is one who can take folks that have been bruised, folks whose there's just a little bit of life left in them, a little bit of light left in them, and he can work with that. He will not break that off. He will not extinguish that. He works with frail people that have been wounded by life, that have been battered and bruised by life, and sometimes have self-inflicted bruises. The Bible says he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead those that are with young. You know, that means that as a shepherd, Jesus knows how to care for each sheep in the condition that he finds them. Right? He just doesn't deal with sheep as this faceless multitude. He, the Bible says that he knows his sheep. He knows them by name. He knows your name. He knows where every bruise is. He knows where, where the little bit of life, light that's left in you is. And he knows how to lead you out of where you are. You particularly. But you have to put your eyes on him. You've got to stop being consumed by other people's failures and the circumstances of life and wrong choices that you feel have been made concerning you and your own shortcomings and your own failures. There is a time you have to behold my servant. You know, the Bible says that the Bible, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? He loved us so much that when you were a rebellious, hateful sinner, he still gave his life for you. Now, we sometimes we have this idea that God likes sinners, but he really gets ticked at Christians. And, okay, and it's true. But I think sometimes we don't understand that the Bible teaches that if he loved us while we were his enemies, don't you think he still loves us now we're his friends? There's a scripture for that, you know. And I'm going to find it just in a moment. <laughs> Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. If he was willing to die for us while we were rebellious sinners, hating God and all that he stood for, how much is his life going to help us now that we're his friends? You can trust him. He will help you. He says, behold, 
my servant. And this, this is not some grudging ministry. Like, okay, Jesus, yeah, work, work, run with the runners, get those folks going, get them on. Oh, yeah, and every once in a while, you got to go back and deal with so-and-so's all beaten up from, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, okay, quick, quick. Take care of him and so we can get back to the important people. But this text says, Behold my servant, my chosen, in whom my soul is pleased. God is pleased by this ministry of Jesus. The fact that he doesn't break off bruised reeds or extinguish smoking flaxes. The Father delights in that. He delights that his Son cares for hurting people. He is His soul is filled with joy. The scripture says that God, that the Son of God cares for folks that are having trouble recovering from some of the reversals of life. He's committed to you. You know, one of the things, and I close with this, that's tougher. We heard about living for God in years as years go by and we get older. You know, one of the toughest things to continue to believe is that you can change. You know, when you're first saved, you pretty get the revelation. You know what? I can be changed. I, I, I've been changed. I've been reborn. All my life has been real. Yeah, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new. You know, and, and we're, and of course, we still sing those courses. But when you get older, you say, yeah, yeah, I've been working on that one for. And see, the, the, the promise of this text is that you and I can still change. Right? Whether you're 20, 50, 70, it's not just you and your resources. You can change. See, this text says he's not going to break off a bruised reed and he's not going to extinguish a smoking flax. The scripture says, till he send forth judgment unto victory. That means he's committed to your recovery and he's committed to your transformation. I don't care how many times you've been around that pole. Jesus Christ is able to work in you to transform you. You can, listen to me. If you come to this conference a year from now, should Jesus tarry, if you will get a hold of this ministry of Jesus Christ a year from now, you are going to be a different person. And should I say a better one? Because there's a chance the next time we come here, we're going to be different. We're either going to be worse or better. There's no such thing as treading water in the kingdom of God. You're, you can't tread water for a year. You're, you're either going to be worse or you're going to be better. And it's going to be 
about a decision you make to trust him. You know, the old saints talk about means. And what they mean by that is what God does, he uses means to do. He doesn't necessarily just do things directly. Like, it isn't just, you know, one prayer and one broken reed is... One prayer and one smoldering ember bursts into light. He uses means. And we've heard a lot about those means already this week. Pastor Lamb, Pastor Mammon, Pastor Ruby last night even in his offering. There are things that we do. There's, there's things that we must do. And through those means, God is able to bring forth judgment unto victory. Think of judgment as discipline. And think about the fact that discipline is what makes weak people strong. Now, if I were to, you, you know, put some big barbell up here and just call on somebody to lift this, there's a very good chance that to, you wouldn't be able to lift this, this huge barbell that I would put here. But if I said, I want you to start lifting smaller ones and smaller ones and a little larger and a little larger, a year from now, <laughs> you... Pastor Warner in his uh, sermon at Tucson conference last June had a fantastic uh, quote about discipline. It says, discipline is any activity I do by direct effort that will help me do what I cannot do by direct effort. I'll say it again. Good. Uh, Discipline is anything I do by direct effort in order to be able to do something that I cannot do by direct effort. If I were to ask you right now to go run a marathon, you'd have a heart attack before you got to the prayer tent. But if you started running the prayer tent every morning and then a little further and a little further, right? Discipline is doing the things that you can do so that you can accomplish later what you can't do. See, you see, you cannot change. I can't change. Yes, you can. And God will help you. It's not going to be by mere human effort. But he is going to use means. He's going to use means. And one of those means is, is that you're going to need to pray. And you're need, going to need to dig into the word of God. You're going to need to pray, read that Bible, and feed your soul. Bring life to that reed. Bring light to that wick. God is going to use those means to accomplish. Come to church, especially if you're the pastor. <laughs> you know, the scripture says, 
quench not the spirit. And then it goes on to say, despise not prophesyings. I wonder if those two are supposed to be linked like that. That if you want the spirit of God to continue to work in your life, you make sure that you're out into the assembly where the spirit of God is speaking so that you can be strengthened and encouraged. See, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, ever, neither will I always be wroth. For the spirit should fail before me, the souls that I have made. You know, God reserves the right to discipline us. He deserves the right to take us into the woodshed. Spank us for a bit. And sometimes that's what you're sensing. But just know God said that's not going to be forever. I know that if that went on forever, you wouldn't make it. And I want to help you. And I step out of eternity and come down to the heart that's humble and contrite. You know, we're not going to know all the reasons why some of the things that have happened have happened. It's very easy to blame ourselves. Very easy to begin to blame other people. Sometimes that's the case, but sometimes that's not an adequate understanding. Processing life. Being able to endure what life brings and keep your focus and keep your spiritual duties intact, that's how God's going to recover you. Don't hang out in your apartment and wait for the pastor to come looking for you. Give yourself. You know, I a story related to me recently from a book called A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. This is like turn of the century New York. This turn of the 19th through the 20th, not this last one. It was about a woman who desperately, desperately wanted a child. She had had a number of stillborn children already. It had already destroyed a marriage. She was now remarried and she was going to try one more time. This is the 11th time. Think of that now, 11 times. But her new husband says, you know what? This is a day when they would just have children, right, with a uh, midwife, right, of the family. He says, you know what, honey? You're going to the hospital. You're going to go to the hospital. And, and I know this doctor and he's Jewish. Jewish, yeah, it's going to be okay. And so here she is in delivery. And she's had 10 children just born and did not survive. And she is just praying, oh God, just once, just one, if I could just have this one. And the baby comes out and it's laid out and it's blue. Then she heard a word that she had never heard before in that setting. The doctor said, oxygen. 
put the oxygen on the baby's mouth. And that blue began to turn to pink. And that baby began to move. And she, is it alive? Of course it's alive. And you have a brand new baby boy. So you may have had a few disappointments in life, but you, you know what? You have Dr. Jesus on the scene right now. Okay? He's Jewish. <laughs> and if you if you'll pray he's he's got the holy ghost oxygen that he can put on that disappointment and see it come back to life amen let's bow our heads and close our eyes our heads are bowed our eyes are closed no one looking around or moving around just for a few moments Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You've never turned from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to pray for you. Right there where you're seated well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here, you're not saved or you're backslidden. And you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today. Lift up your hand. Lift it up and hold it. This is a large auditorium. Lift it up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus quickly. Lift it up. Unsaved or backslidden. All right, we're changing our appeal just for a moment. Some masterful messages this morning. Pastor Warner on dealing with the fact that we are, many of us, we are growing older. And there are issues that are absolutely vital for us to deal with. People in the church, people in pastoral ministry, doesn't necessarily get easier to serve God the older you get. Just the temptations become more subtle and more deadly. And God spoke to you about the personal disciplines and attitudes required. Pastor Gooding talked about discipleship. The fact that this is it, God is our priority every other thing. We can't even be a disciple. Don't, don't, even, don't even talk about it. Unless you're willing to hate this and that, including your own life, in comparison with the loyalty that you give to Jesus Christ. Church, mega churches filled with attenders. But disciples of Jesus Christ are few and far between. And maybe tonight... Today, pardon me, there are a few. But you're here in this place. You love God. You are involved in some level of ministry. And you've put on a very brave face this conference. Pastor, pastor's wife. You've put on a brave face. The heartbreaks that have come to you, and I, particularly through the failures of your own children, to not just do exactly how you wanted them to live your life, but at key points of destiny. And it has just been heartbreaking to you. It's caused you to question the validity of your personhood, of your ministry, of your Christianity. You're having trouble processing that. The, the abuses that you have received from your church or from your brethren and some of the po folks that are most pained most bruised 
most in danger of extinguishing are those that you are suffering from self-inflicted wounds. Self-inflicted. Your own errors in judgment, your own arrogances, your own carnality, your own sins. You need to get, bring those before Jesus Christ in repentance and submission. And God is able, he's not, he doesn't want to destroy his work in your life. He wants to bring it back to life, but he's going to use means. He's going to use means that you are going to reestablish the spiritual disciplines of your life. Not knowing that it's not you, it's not by the force of your own will, but you are going to do by a force of effort the things you can do. So that the thing that today you could not pull off simply by a force of effort. Maybe you couldn't stand in a pulpit right now. Maybe you couldn't go to that difficult church member. You can't even face that child, whatever it is. But you can begin to do the things day in and day out that will give you the strength to do what you must do in the future. Disciplines can bring frailty to strength. And you need to discipline your life. How many would there be? God has taught to you to raise a hand and say, yes, God's spoken to me in one of these messages today. God love you. God love you. Amen. If you raise your hand to be saved or come back to the Lord, you'll be the first to slip out and kneel. Let's stand together and we're going to sing a chorus of worship. He is Lord, He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. He is Lord. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of His servant, that walks in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. You know, sometimes you just have to throw out an anchor in the dark. Right? You can't see the light. You, you, can't, you can't see where the encouragement is going to come from. You're serving God. You're fearing God. It's not like your heart's not right. But just right now, you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. But you trust in the Lord and stay upon our God. You just keep your eyes. Behold my servant. Behold my servant. And he'll bring you through. That light will come back. Amen. Praise God. Lord bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.